1: It's the Anfield Rap. Neil Atkinson, Gareth Roberts, Rob Gutman, and Ian Salmon with you for the next, I think, about 75 minutes or so, talking about Liverpool versus Southampton, or more accurately, Southampton versus Liverpool. However, if you don't subscribe, you'll have noticed that you've just heard an advert. And there could even be another one coming up, which is all very exciting. If you do subscribe, you won't have heard those adverts. And you also now only need one feed for all your Anfield Rap shows, which is the Tour Player feed, if you're subscribing to Tour Player. Um, If you've been waiting to subscribe until we have another payment option beyond PayPal, well, we think think from maybe today, maybe tomorrow, we will have an alternative subscription payment option, trying to make it easier for you. So lastly, on this sort of little bit of housekeeping at the top, uh, there's been a bit of messing about recently sorting all this out. So thank you very much for your patience. But we think we're sort of at the bottom of sorting out how we do X, Y, and Z. So there's a new option, and also there's these ads. So you now know where you are. If you don't like the ads, if they're not for you, then you can subscribe, or they're just not for you. Uh, and that's fine. And that's the way in which this works. So let's anyway crack on with the proper football stuff. Uh, Southampton versus Liverpool. Uh, Rob Gutman, Gareth Roberts, and Ian Salmon with me, and starts from the top, really. Gareth, it can feel like its points dropped, all that sort of stuff. What are your initial feelings on the game?
2: Thought Liverpool played well, uh, dominated the game, controlled the game. At no point was there any panic. Um, I, I could never see Southampton scoring a goal. I mean, a lot of people are giving Charlie Austin's header some credence as being a chance. Even that, I didn't really regard it as much of a chance. He had a defender jumping with him. You know, my heart's not jumping out of my chest. I'm watching it and thinking Liverpool are going to win this. And, and the only disappointment is that they don't win it. You know, after being so utterly dominant, after creating some very clear-cut chances, I think it's you know it's only human that you're disappointed that Liverpool don't come away with three points there. But uh, I think what's encouraging is that you just think if Liverpool can play like that every week, which they pretty much have been doing, then nine times out of ten, I think they're going to win the game. Um and, I mean, we'll get into it, but, I, you know, I think it's easy to pick things apart and say, you know, could he, could he have put subs on earlier? Could he have done X, Y and Z? I just thought the lads who were on the pitch didn't do too much wrong collectively. And, as I say, Liverpool utterly dominated. I thought I thought Southampton defended really well and probably, you know, next week won't defend as well as well. You've got to give them some credit for, for getting a draw out of it. Um, I like the fact that... Were you cool throughout? Because I was a bag of nerves. I was cool throughout, honestly, mate, yeah. I, I, I just felt like... I was slightly worried. I was more worried going into the game than actually when I started watching it. If you know what I mean, so yeah. I thought it feels like a banana skin. At, you know, the international break, and you're worried about the Brazilian lads and whether they're going to be jaded. All those things all turning around in your mind. But once it actually got going, I mean, I thought straight from the first whistle, I was up, I was up and I was like, yes, because Firmino was ran at them, jumped in the way of, of the first thing they tried to do, and I thought he's not jaded. He's all right, here, Firmino's all right, and and I just thought he he set the tone really early then, and I just thought Liverpool are at, at it, here, We're going to win, we're flying, and like I say, it's slightly disappointing that we didn't. I mean, you know, if, if we if we look at the play across the ninety minutes, I thought there was times there where we're controlling it, but maybe not taking you know an extra little risk. But you know that's stuff we're going to get into, I'm sure. Um, but. Overall, I just very little to 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 complain about. I don't think on the day. Uh, Ian Salmon next.
1: Uh, you, you know, w- w- how did you feel about that? Were you more in Garrett's camp? As I say, I was nervous, and I was nervous as the game was wearing on. I was worried there was a sting in the tail for us, but simultaneously, whilst me m- you know me chimp was out to use the Steve Peters phrase, I was thinking we're actually playing some really good stuff here. <laughs> It, it looks like it could come at any time. It was only really when it got to about 86 minutes I began to think, you know what, this could finish nil-nil. I, I thought that a Liverpool goal was coming. I was just mildly concerned it might, that a Southampton goal might precede it.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere between the two of you. Probably both things at the same time. I had the bizarre experience of the stream that I managed to get after begging people for tips on it. it was silent, so I was watching a game in complete and utter silence with no background noise, no crowd noise, no commentary, not even a foreign commentary, It's a very odd experience. Um, But I'd been nervous in the week before Because I thought Southampton are generally a good side Had a couple of losses recently Could be looking for a decent result Obviously we threw it away there last season It felt like a game where It could be a bit of a stumbling block It could be a difficult game We have to lose one at some point This felt like it could be the one But as soon as it kicked off I was kind of like This isn't going to be a problem And first half I thought The way we battled in the first half To actually win the right to play in the first half I I thought we were brilliant I thought our closing was sharper than it's been the last few weeks. It's been sharp, but I thought the closing that we were doing on each player that had the ball was absolutely magnificent. But I do feel, as Gareth said, it, you wouldn't be human if you didn't think it was drop points. It feels like drop points, but it also felt like you could never see a point where they were going to score. They didn't look like a team who wanted to score. That one Charlie Austin header, I think Klein's defending for the header is absolutely magnificent. I thought it was the first Klein to put it out because he he's up right away, and he's been susceptible to a couple of those crosses this season, but he's really, really sorted out in that one. Other than that, I don't think they had a chance. We should, we could and should have scored about three or four. on Another day, those three or four go in. Mane's shot goes in, Firmino puts it in the corner, Klein's header goes in, we've got a 3 nil win, and it's a perfect away performance.
0: Yeah, I was... I talked myself into calmness throughout it. Like, as Gareth, I thought, you've got to have faith here, Rob. I said, talking to myself in the third person. You really do. And it was just as it dragged towards, I kept looking at the clock, it was 85. I thought, hmm, the goal that's definitely coming, that I told myself was definitely coming, might not be coming. And, um, but you know what? You come out... You know, the life story of watching Liverpool is you come out, if you've dropped a point away from home where you went into the game really wanting to win it and expecting to win it, you feel crestfallen and it spoils you, it spoils your day, it spoils your night, what's left of it. And um, I didn't because we played so well. And this Liverpool team's remarkably consistent. You know, it really does deliver. It, that's the thing I couldn't fault. It delivered what I, we wanted it to. Um, there was all the potential issues and banana skins surrounding the international break. Gareth said Firmino was great, I thought Coutinho as well. Coutinho was the one, I was stunned to see him start. I thought... You know, he's 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 twenty. He's only had one day of training. He's, he played twice for Brazil, I think. He had to have a scan. He was, he was in the hospital having a scan on the Thursday. I thought, if ever there's a case for for putting him on the bench as a break-glass option and nothing more... He's, he he he's,
3: was guaranteed the bench, wasn't he? Absolutely, 100% guaranteed.
0: His energy level, was, I thought... I mean, he eventually hooks him, but I mean, it's pretty late in the game. Um, I thought his energy levels were fantastic. Him and Firmino were my picks. I know there's a lot of focus because we've got a clean sheet on the centre-backs, but they just kept us going well, and kept us going, though boys. You
1: mentioned at the start Firmino leading the charge, Gareth, I'll come back to talk about Firmino a little bit more later on, but one of the things that I took from it was the way in which Southampton had absolutely nothing second half, they were completely pushed back and their fella Holberg, you know, says post-match that this he feels as though that's the best team he's ever played against mm. and he lists the sides he's played against and he's, he, you know, it, they again, not for the first time this season, a, a place where Liverpool have gone away from home, it's not even like this has happened to them at anfield it's like Danny Rose after the Spurs game, where they have got a point point, and maybe that, I think, that helps players, I think, speak a bit more honestly about what's going on because they've got a point.
2: Mm. And the,
1: the way in which he's saying, you know, he, that he was knocked over by what Liverpool were doing, and Southampton had absolute, all they had second half was hanging on. Yeah. they just had hanging on and they had the fact that Fonte was playing really well second half I thought Van Dijk was the pick first half Fonte the pick second half they had those two lads and I thought Holberg himself played well but all they could do was hang on in that second half and I'll throw a stat at you which I'm going to use on the on our Tuesday review show later on but Southampton's second half only completed 86 passes that's it that's how many times they managed to actually pass to one another throughout the entire of the second half in their own ground 86 for a side that prides itself on keeping the ball and moving it that's how dominant Liverpool were
2: yeah Liverpool has all the ball I mean and we've heard Jurgen Klopp talk about you know keeping hold of the ball and if you've got the ball it's hard to lose a football match and you know that's what that's what Liverpool are doing in in, in most games I mean I think if you look at if, if you want to briefly get into stats every single game that Liverpool have played in the league they've created more chances they've had more shots and, you know, they've obviously won the majority of those games, but it just shows we're getting an awful lot right. And there's just going to be times, I mean, it's the nature of football almost, isn't it, that you just literally can't win every game. I mean, You know, and we came close there and it was disappointing, but as you say, Southampton were absolutely hanging on. They were knackered, you know, they were run ragged. And I think some of their, like I said before, some of their players are absolutely blinders, I think, that on another day they won't have. I mean, there's three or four of them that defensively, you know, plays well. The keeper makes a couple of good saves as well. So, you know, it doesn't feel to me that there's anything to, to sort of slaughter our players about or the manager. Like I said, you know, said before, and, and I've seen people saying it elsewhere, that there's perhaps a question, you know, do you make the changes earlier than, than Klopp does? Because we're utterly dominant. Southampton have got nothing left. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of by throwing storage on earlier, is what I'm saying, and and, and you know, you maybe could as a play with Coutinho's position or something like that. I mean, another thing I'd say as well on on Coutinho, I I, I didn't, I, I'm not I'm not in Rob's camp fully about him being brilliant. I thought he played well, but I didn't think he was he was at his best, and I thought there was times where. You know, young onto it a little bit more than he would normally. He wasn't quite as sharp in his thinking, but but for all the idea that we you know we should have rested the two lads who went with Brazil. You know, they link up for for Liverpool's best chance, and, and Firmino should score. So it's one of them. But I thought I thought Coutinho got a bit frustrated as well with an obvious tactic by Southampton to to roughhouse him. Uh, they were getting stuck into him big time, and and then he shows his frustration by kicking that lad and picking up the button, And but you know. Al Clattie there, who's normally our mate. He was
0: fuck, He was he, terrible. He was terrible. Respect.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know we don't, we don't normally slaughter refs on here, but I thought certainly not Clattie. I thought, I thought he could have protected Casini a little bit more at times because they were really getting stuck into him. They've obviously highlighted him as being a, a, a major threat for Liverpool, and they were getting stuck in. And yeah, I, I thought he got, I thought he lost his head a little bit on that casino The manager talks
1: a lot about the way you defend, and we're going to talk about the solid at the back, and and yeah. we'll come on to talk about the centre I was in. But the manager's very into that, for instance, when there's an error, the whole team defends. It's the job of the whole team. It's not just one person. It's the whole team that defends. And what struck me is quite interesting was Southampton's changes. You know, every change they make, or certainly the first two, Shane Long comes on. What do we know about Shane Long? He's quick. He's direct. He'll run channels for you. He'll pick up scraps. Uh, Jay Rodriguez comes on again. Pace. Expect to have a little bit. And what struck me was how non-existent, those two were yeah. in the game that they couldn't, and so it's this idea that not just are they being well marshaled by their centre halves, which they were, but that the entire side, whilst it was attacking well and dominating, part of that domination is exactly what the managers talked about over and over again: that you're actually stopping chances and opportunities and possibilities of the side, the, the opposition doing anything, because they're just so, so pressed back, so concerned, so unable to build.
3: Yeah, I think there was, I think there was a slight change in our formation at the weekend as well. Um, certainly, from the stuff that I've seen rewatching the game, um, I think we went more three four more three four three than we've ever been in the past. And I think um, Henderson was very very much more of a central defender than he was. Mm. That number six role he's been playing, he was deeper than normal, so he's playing a lot of the ball from there. So it's kind of we gave Klein and Milner the chance to push forward more. But I think that shape. Possibly confused Southampton to an extent because it wouldn't have been what they were expecting from us anyway. Because you expect that that slight little triangle of the two and the one at the back with um with the two centre backs with Henderson forward, with the fullbacks going up and down. But it seemed very much three four three. It did seem like that whole shape, despite the fact it was determined for attacking, was also capable of holding Southampton back. So these lads who we do know can cause us threats caused us nothing at all. I thought we looked and you know I'll go I'll goal, I was saying as a lot of people are saying that Matip was my man of the match, I thought he was absolutely immense, he looks like the best centre-back in the country at the moment by some distance, uh, but I think as a team, we just look, our shape looks good, we look solid, we look like we can be solid and defend when we need to, because we knew that Southampton could come with us, but at the same time, we've got that base that we're attacking all the time, we, we look, I, I'm with the Southampton lad, we look like the best team he's ever played, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I've not watched the rest of the teams he's played, but certainly the big ones. We do look we look fantastic. But they're a de-
2: I mean, it's worth it's worth saying here as well that they're a decent size. They're a good they're, size you know, size. They're, they're, you know, they're a decent size in the Premier League and Liverpool will go. To the crap sides, and that, and we said it before on here that you know they're the side you've got to put the crap sides to bed, you've got to bury them. And playing like that, Liverpool will bury most teams in yeah. the league. And, and Southampton are a good side, you know. We, do, we won't come up against the quality of their centre halves every week, we won't come up against, you know, the, like I said before, the keeper played well as well, you've got to yeah. give him some credit. So, I think well, the
3: safe from Mane is excellent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a superb. I,
0: team. I. I thought Southampton were good. I thought they were concentrated and focused. Yeah. You come off the pitch of their manager, you go, do you know what we had a job to do? As they were up against it. Maybe their legs were going, but I tell you what, they never looked like they were gonna let up in their concentration. And the fact that we suddenly we sighed through them from nowhere in the second half at times that just showed our level. They yeah. must have been stunned by that. They, they were from what I could see. They weren't at fault for any of the chances. It was just our, our play was just too quick at certain times. Yeah, they we didn't just, make mistakes. No, we just went. Up, they made, I don't. Yes, exactly the right word. I don't think they make a mistake. Probably they do, but by the ordinary course of events, they weren't going to make a mistake. There was never going to be a soft goal for us in that game. Not in a month of Sundays. I thought they were. I, I, thought, I, think.
3: Sorry, go on. I think one of the things that the weekend shows us is like the Man United team the Man United game is going to take a very good team with a very good back line marshalled very well to stop us breaking down it's not a case the teams can park the bus against us anymore it's going to take very good defenders to park the bus against us your average workaday lads aren't going to be able to do it because it took those two there's a fantastic last second tackle by Van Dijk in I think it was the first half and there's the equally yeah. fantastic the block on Coutinho that makes Coutinho skew the ball wide which I think was second half by uh, Fonte. Fonte And they're, they're both Absolutely brilliant Pieces of defending you, you couldn't ask for A better piece of defending Than either of those
2: What I thought though I was just going to say Then was just I just thought Liverpool plays well But that absolute Like amazing zip They've had in the play In in, in fairly recent weeks Where you've just gone How do you live with that I thought that wasn't Always there So like, Why the, do you the, think it wasn't? Well I mean Who knows There's, there's, there's a hundred reasons Isn't there I mean there's, there's the International break There's the conditions You know there's all These things But I thought the chance that Mane has, where it's turned on by Aldum and then he shoots, that was that was a Liverpool move of recent times. You yeah. know what I mean? They moved it really quick, bang bang bang, moved it on Mane as the shot, and and I, that was one of the ones where I thought, well, there's no living with that. You can't defend against that, and I felt first off there was there was times where. There was little bits of indecision when they got to the edge of the box. There was, little, you know, the final ball wasn't quite there. Maybe the thinking wasn't as sharp as it should be. Because that's another thing you've got to take into into consideration. I mean, I think everyone thinks about physically what going all over the world on planes does to you and everything else, but it's it's gonna it's gonna reduce your mental sharpness
3: as well. I think, and also and, your preparation's gone because yeah. Coutinho obviously had that one day of training, and you've got to prepare all week. And if we have, as I think we had to the shape, a touch for that game. They've not had a great deal of time to embed that idea into their heads, so you might be playing a little bit differently, and they're not necessarily as connected as they are. As the and you had,
2: you obviously had Lalana's come
3: out of the side yeah. as well, and I you've think, been I you've been playing with other lads for the last fortnight. Yeah, I'm think, not
0: sh- I'm not sure we lacked sharp. I, yeah, I think look, I'd, God help God help them if we hadn't been around the world. Yeah, because there has to have been something more in the tank. But I feel that, for, you know, I seen on the on the agendas, is, is it was it a game of two halves. My feeling in the ground was you could see Southampton's uh, energy levels in that first half. That the first half was all about control, not letting them have their home side. Flurry and, and maybe we scored Before half time But that was a game We were always going to go out And win in the second half It just felt like that It was We had to win The first half war And I felt we did mm-hmm. I mean by the end Of the first half We're beginning to create chances They're not creating anything I think,
1: there's, 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 I think for me There's a noticeable I think the game starts First ten Liverpool are on top Ten to about 35 Southampton It's a 50-50 contest yeah. 35 to 45 And then 45 to 90 It's all Liverpool Of course they, yeah. they've, they've they've gone They've gone They're yeah. this, this entire than being forced back to effectively be playing 4-5-1 where the fellow up front is completely distant and all they're doing is just hoofing it and hoping for the best. Yes, I think you start to see that about 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think Klopp would have said that to, to our lot beforehand. This is a game you may have to win in the second half. You're in bonus territory in the first half. Just make sure you have control. If you have control, take the chances that come your way. We'll win it in the second half because they won't have the legs to live with us.
2: And they didn't. As a little side story, I thought it was really entertaining just watching how frustrating frustrated frustrated uh, Charlie Austin was getting. You know, he's throwing his arms up everywhere. He's like, any chance, lads? There's one where he gets sort of right hand side of our box, looks up, holds it there. No one joins him. No one comes. And it's like, it's like any hopes, lads. You know, Redmond as well. Yeah, Redmond gets frustrated. I think it's a really interesting thing,
1: and it's because. Sometimes you have these runs where you see a team a lot, and I've seen a lot of Southampton this season and they've been really good at moving up phase. The full backs get right up the pitch. They join, they add mm. something, they have a midfield, that's often more of a diamond, that was a bit more four three three. But the thing is there's always there's always a pass on for them. That's the way they play. Uh, even when they didn't play so well against Chelsea, you know, when they were when they were at least pushing Chelsea back, they always had another ball. And I thought thought we were better against Southampton than Chelsea were when Chelsea went there and won 2-0. They just scored early and then got themselves another one. Whereas Southampton, you could see there was every way in which they want to play football. And I think what their manager says post-match is really interesting. He says, we didn't set up to be defensive, it's just the way the game went. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, to me, it just looked like they were completely pushed back and all the way they like to play, which is shifting the ball, moving it, they just realised, and fair play to them, where i would give them credit, I actually think they make more mistakes than you're, than, than you're stating. To be honest with you, gents, I think that, for instance, we force a couple of, because we the way in which we closed down aggressively, we force giving the ball away a few times yeah, and all that sure. sort of stuff. I think we force those errors, but they are still errors. But one of the things I think that they actually work out is they re- realise second half, and that's why I said before about them only completing 86 passes. These lads, there's been some games, some 90 minute games where Emayo's played more than 86 passes this season. <laughs> in, in, in one half there, his whole side doesn't even manage to play more than 80. But they could only pass they to couldn't each other. Get going, though, they could just they? couldn't have. No, they had no they opportunity going, to play football. I mean, I mean there's,
2: there's one where the goalie um, tries to bowl it out quick. And Klein intercepts it. There was one. There was one where the centre-half tries to play it out and that was intercepted. But we were all over them. We were buzzing around them. And, and, and they, they couldn't get They couldn't get out. I mean, I think that's one of the things to say. But it's interesting, though, when, on the rare occasions that they did get out, they, it almost seemed like they were scared to then go and join in as well because they're worried about what then comes back the other way from Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, you're right as well, Ian, to say that Liverpool were absolutely pushed on as well. But I just wondered whether... I mean, another slight criticism is, is whether it fell to fell to the fullbacks too much, almost to be creative at times. I mean, I think it was coming to Milner quite a lot at one stage, and I just thought, well, I don't really get the impression that he's the man to to unlock the door here. Yeah. And I was quite slightly surprised by by Van Alden a little bit. I just thought he'd he'd be more involved further up, and and he wasn't that involved further up. He he seemed he was he's obviously nowhere near as deep as Henderson. But he's, he, he seemed to me deeper than charm, maybe. OK, uh, we're going to come on to all of those little
1: bits and pieces because it informs everything I actually want to go on and talk about in a minute, so I love it when that happens. Um, the uh, Very quick, we just want to do a very fast opening question. Jordan Doyle's o- offered one. Uh, Gareth Roberts,
2: best chippy by yours? Um, I haven't got a best chippy by a man, not, not particularly great, so I'm going to go for a slightly twisted it on its head and say, and I can't remember the name of this either, but there's a chippy in Southport, which is sort of a bit special to me because... Um, my nan and granddad used to always take me there when I was a kid and it was one of them where you, you go there and you sit in and you get like, you know, your chips, your yeah. fish and chips, your bread and butter, a cup of tea and as a kid that that was absolutely mustard, you know, it felt special after you'd walked along the beach. I had to go on the arcade and then you go in this chippy and have a sit down, it was lovely so I, I could probably go and find it if you took me to Southport but I can't remember the name so Saz.
0: Alright, uh, Rob Cutman. Um, I've got a very good chippy near mine. Uh, on Ashfield Road in Egberth, Egberth Vale. Uh, Steve's Chippy. Steve's he's, he's still got a he's still got a cutting from the echo when he was Chippy of the Year. I think oh, it, I yeah. think it's going back a bit now, uh, but it's it's a great chippy. Okay, Ian?
3: In a sentence it'll mean nothing to anybody outside Liverpool. There's a decent one in Dodge. That might not even mean anything to anybody who's south Liverpool, but there's a decent chippy in Dodge. I can't remember the name of it. Um but there's also there's one that I go to just to change it slightly, as Gareth's already changed it slightly. Before every match, I make sure I go to the Goodison Supper Bar. It's opposite the bottom of Goodison. It does a crack and sausage and chips. Really good chips in there. How can you leave from there with that name? Goodison. Well, it's... I, I, it's I, sticking I feel, it to them, isn't it? Yeah, it's sticking to, sticking sticking it to them in a big way. it to them. And the lad who serves is a blue. He's a reasonable blue, and we have a chat about I'm the game. Drink. And I have to walk past <laughs> theirs and watch the and go up.
1: Um, all right uh, moving back i want to talk about sort of break it down a little bit more rob as we're talking in the first thing i want to ask you is because you 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 were in southampton you went down uh, had a lovely day Super. um insofar as you can but the weather it, it was it was pretty it looked pretty horrific on television and mm. I think it does make a difference a little bit to Liverpool's intricacies uh, in terms of when they're trying to play around the, when you are trying to play very quick stuff around the box it looked to me like it was it, I mean this was both pluses positives and negatives to it if you know what I mean because it looked like it's slippy conditions so people can slip over but it also looked like a difficult day to manipulate the ball however good at football you are is that about accurate was it Was it pretty horrible
0: yeah I think it's as bad as it gets before, before it gets to that phase where you you see water on the pitch and you start worrying yeah. truly it was awful we didn't have our The minute we were outdoors we didn't never didn't have our hoods up it was fucking horrible <laughs> and windy and cold was it
1: windy as well yeah because i thought that was impairing us a little bit as well i think the conditions play a bigger part than people give them credit for can i
0: give I a shout out to the appalling southampton fans has been yeah. one of the worst away ends i've been had the pleasure of being outside in in a long time they were entirely negative. I think one vague shout for their own side. They, they just spent the, well, two thirds of the thing was slow, trying to slaughter Dejan Lovren and getting really personal about tabloid scans. It was just nasty stuff. They, they, when they remembered that they also used to have Marnie, they had a go at him. It was just booing players. They were just, I don't know, I didn't remember them being such a bad away crowd. Yeah, I, went, I, well I
3: heard Steve song come across on the telly. Yeah, that but was near we, the end. We, we they did all like the you, you didn't benefit from that. At Sign time. on, we Sign had. Sign on was really early on as well. Do, do yeah, they they seemed seem
1: to flitted from it because i remember last time last couple of times we've gone i felt they were quite intimidating uh, but, but but also quite a positive crowd and they seem to have flipped over into some sort of dark side of just <laughs> slagging people off and not actually by all means boo people and by all means sing the odd song but then i remember the last couple of years before this year there was a lot of songs about southampton and urging their own lot on whereas they've become dare i say Gareth, a little bit of a tony in there
2: yeah i don't really get that because it's not like there's some I guess it's one of them. In their heads, there is, you know, in their heads, there's a
1: massive rivalry, and I think it's becoming unpleasant for them now.
2: I was just going to say, maybe it's one of those sort of weird modern rivalries that exist in some people's minds. I mean, still to my mind, if you throw Chelsea at me, I don't regard them as a rival. I just can't. I've just grown up in an area where they're irrelevant, and I know that they're good now, but I still don't see them as a de facto rival. And maybe it's just because, you know, what is it now? Eight, nine players (laughs) that have sort of gone from uh, Southampton to Liverpool. We obviously now wouldn't mind the centre half as well, so uh, you know it could be another one. So maybe it is that maybe they just they're just think you know we were there to come to our club and keep and our players, um, blah blah blah, and and yeah they they they've built themselves up into something because to, it was song after song after song like Rob said, and it was like there was another one as well which you couldn't quite make out something about. Um,
0: I'd rather be something than a scout. Or oh, so. I'd rather
3: be adopted than a scout. Yes, adopted. I saw Phil Blundell talking about
0: that. On, yeah. I know we were we were right next to. I'll tell you what you your memories. The rest of the group. Funnily enough, they're. Cop, which must be opposite the away end. I don't know if it is. When they're when they're going, you can hear that from from the away end, the opposite end. You go, yeah, they're on top. They're going Southampton or whatever they sing. But they were right next to us. They just had the Narks because I think Liverpool was so on top in the entire game. Only the Narks were singing, and they were singing. They sung. They're two or three about Dejan Lovren. They oh they they actually the only pro their own team song they sang was some lad comes on, I think his surname's Weed or something. Reed, Reed was it Reed's hand like Weed when the The like I said Reed's more sensible. And, and it was just something <laughs> Wish like, we're thinking that Joe, right Joe I, I heard Joe Weed, you're one of our own. They became whatever cockney there is in the Southampton accent, it was there. <laughs> yep. They tried.
1: If they're one of your own or you're questioning whether or not this is a library, it appears to be obligatory to sing it in Cockney. Yes. Uh, all right, moving moving away from them, uh, let's instead sort of get back into the, the bits and pieces of the game that we want to talk about, Gareth. And I think this is back to the, you know, the the question. And you said Alden before, and I'm intrigued because I felt both Alden and Chan... Neither of them were doing enough of what they've been doing recently Um, in terms of the arrival third-man run. If you're Chan, in terms of linking it up a little bit more, if you're Van Aalden, I think that I, I struggle... A little bit, and this is where, if I am going to sort of question the change, one of the reasons why I wonder if the change can actually come sooner. Of Sturridge coming on for uh, he came on for Chan in the end, yeah. didn't he? What well, isn't necessarily even about the fact that we're on top. It's more that neither Ronaldo nor Chan were as as influential as you'd maybe like, and that's hard to say when Liverpool is so dominant. They both must both have been playing well because you can't <coughs> you can't dominate a football match like we did that second half and carry passengers. But it just felt to me like neither of them was truly making a mark on the game. I could no. see what Henderson was doing. I could see what Coutinho was doing. But I couldn't see what the two of them were doing. If you've got one lad like that, it's likely to be you're missing it. If you've got two of them, it's possible that neither are quite contributing enough. Is yeah, that fair?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think I think both, to me, felt more that they were providing function rather than sparkle, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, I think yeah. I think Chan had some little goes. He, he, he did those... You know those um, tank-like runs that he gets on where he just—it's almost like in his head he goes, "Oh fuck this," and just runs at them. With and, and he tried to do a couple of them, tried to make things happen that way. But yeah, Van Alden was very quiet. I, I think it's a lovely ball for Mane.
1: Yeah, he shifts, the, if, he
2: shifts it on nice for that. that chance. He's,
1: he's got the awareness; he doesn't just put his own foot mm. through, but he knows where the extra man is. But, but he, apart from that, he wasn't doing much around the box, full stop. No, there's
2: too much. There's too many passes that were just sort of ticking over, and I just, I just sort of worry. Uh, you know, maybe whether whether Henderson, Van Alderman, and, and Chan as a midfield, is is the future really? You know, is there enough creativity there when you when you have that type of match? I mean, like I said before, it felt to me at times that it was falling too much to the fullbacks to provi- provide creativity. I mean, there's even an argument there. You know, I thought did cross my mind while I was watching it. You know, is this even a game where maybe maybe you could throw, and and shout me down by all means, but could you have thrown Moreno in just because? He's a bit more of a loon. No, He's got a, a bit idea, of pace. He, you know, he'll do. He'll do things. There wasn't much slack coming the other way. So, so, so when you got this mad lad running at you at the other end of the pitch
1: one of the things that actually occurred to me whilst I was watching it and I, I, I would like to know in a <laughs> sense whether or not they occurred to the manager was actually the idea of maybe uh, I thought Milner did really well given the fact that he often gets the ball and he's got oh there's no one here lads yeah. <laughs> uh, let's give it th- you know I think he does that bit of the job well but one of the things that occurred to me was he could actually have, have put Milner into midfield and had Milner sort of bomb on and do his little clever stuff in that space but from a midfield position and maybe looked at sort of uh, bringing Moreno on there but he, I think Ian he seems I'm saying that sort of stuff he seems pretty committed to the idea that James Milner's going to be a left back so he's going to stay at left back and and he's I I can see why a few people are wondering whether or not Moreno could have done a better job at left back but he seems very committed to the idea of James Milner being on the pitch Uh, I, I
3: think James Milner is a more intelligent left back and I think if you're still going to worry about the fact that Southampton have got pace and they can put these fast lads up against you then maybe Milner having the intelligence to get back whereas Moreno might still be in the penalty area. Could be the answer, I think the obvious choice for that midfield was the choice that he made when he brought storage on. As soon as you drop Coutinho in, because Coutinho had been dropping deep for the ball anyway, so make him officially there it's a better balance than the midfield. I think if you've got Chan and Wynaldum together, if they're two of your three, they're too similar to each other. And if Alden, for me, Wynaldum does a lot of work that's unnoticed anyway, so if you're not noticing him, he's probably just doing the link play that he should be doing. Chan tends to stand out because he does do the this head down, mad rush towards the penalty area. But I think he's also more likely to lose the ball than anybody else in the team at the moment. It's um, I, I love Chan. I thought one of our best players all last season. But for our midfield at the moment, for the game we're playing, I don't think he's the right man. Wynaldum I think, plays a cracking game there, just quietly linking everything. But I think well, what's you possibly weird, look at like now and is Coutinho
2: come, plays there. Fernandos come with a reputation for goals, though, is the, is the weird thing. Has a number you know, 10, you, yeah. Yeah, and you've, you've seen, you've seen all that, that, that lovely highlights really, he has of goals from Newcastle. i all right, he gets one against Watford, but I kind of thought, and I wrote last week, I thought, well, he, he's off the mark now against Watford. And it felt to me like it had been a little bit of a monkey on his back watching him, like he'd been almost too deliberate with but finishes. Did he, what did
3: he get last season? Nine? Eleven 12, comps. So, I mean, he's uh, I, 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 got one. It's still time to get like another seven or eight easily, hasn't
0: he? I, I think we're doing them those two a bit of a disservice. I thought, well, particularly one Alden, because I thought he was in their faces. I thought his pressing was fantastic. I was watching him quite mm-hmm. closely in periods. Tends to be passed for two-man press, did not he? Yeah, he did. I, I, th- I thought he was strong. He was solid. He was moving the ball on. I actually thought it was better than one of his. his ticking over displays that he often does where people have, I think it's become a little bit fashionable to go, we've won, we've played great. What did Alden do? I can't remember. He must have been brilliant too and it must have been this understated stuff, right? Mm. And I know sometimes it is, but I actually thought he was more proactive. I think he was probably, the way that, the way we're playing in a three, no one's out of line. You've got Henderson deepest, then it'd be mm. early in the season Wijnaldum maybe 15 yards ahead of him, yeah. and then Lalana at an angle another 20 yeah. yards ahead. Yeah. So this is you draw a funny sort of star configuration, uh, constellation configuration based on it. And if he was repeating that trick to a degree, Henderson was deepest. Wijnaldum, um, yeah, when w- Wijnaldum was maybe Wijnaldum was more in the Lalana role. I don't know. I do think with Emery Chan, I can't really say I, I noticed enough what Emery Chan did, but. I do think his surging run, which which has a slightly, dis- well, quite a disappointing shot at the end, it's one of the first big chance, well, half chances of the second half, and I think it it sort of energised us a bit. I, think, I mean,
1: and there's a funny thing with this, which is that, as I say, I think, and this is why I don't, I, I, we'll talk about the subs thing now, and I think it's quite interesting because I I think if you're the manager, you can go, all right, we're dominant dominant and I feel as yeah. though we're creating chances on the one hand so if I if I make a change in the middle of the park will that dominance begin to drop off in some yeah. way and I think one of the reasons why he actually makes it when he makes it is he thinks right these have been pummeled into submission now mm-hmm. I'll do the Coutinho deeper thing because they're gone and and we've now got to 75 minutes because he was trying to get them on for about 3 or 4 minutes before he got him on storage yeah. And I think he thinks, right, now that's done. We've pummeled them into submission. I can now be sure that we can go Coutinho in the middle and these lads are dominant. I just wonder, and I'm intrigued, Gareth, whether or not you know you could have made the, t- taken the risk a little bit earlier, not least because Coutinho was dropping deep. He was coming to mm. find a little bit of space and get on the ball. So it felt to me a little bit like I think that that makes more sense. If Coutinho does that, if Lallana's playing, because all Lallana loves to do is go and fill those gaps. Mm. Whereas I, one of the things I notice, and whether it's Vinaldo or Chan, whichever one it's meant to be doing, when Coutinho did drop deep, well, often Vinaldo and Chan are sort of half looking at him like, "Well, what do we do?" Whereas if Lallana's playing, Lallana goes and fills that space, and suddenly Liverpool have still got the requisite number of men. And I don't think that. I think that's where it was falling down. Not the idea of either Liverpool being dominant or anything else.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Um, I mean. I would have liked to have seen Sturridge earlier. I, I I sort of felt like I said before that Southampton were there for the taking. That they were gone. That, that, that there was nothing good. There was nothing changing about their points of attack. They weren't. They were, all of a sudden, they weren't going to come into the game and start screaming at you with all kinds of numbers. It felt like they didn't have that in their legs if anything. And and Sturridge. They've also
1: had an international break. Yeah, they've, they've, they,
2: their lads are all internationals. They've had the international break as well. And I just think, you know, Sturridge and his cameos as well. If we forget about this match a moment think about those cameos, he'd been he been good. He played well against Watford when he come on. He's obviously scored for uh, England against Scotland as well. So he's a man there who looks like he can get you a goal. And for all Firmino's work, right, when he misses that chance, I kind of thought, well, that feels a little bit, a little bit like it's not his day. Here. You know what I mean? And so maybe get on the fella that that is is lethal in front of goal. And as it was, you know he. He didn't really have a chance, did he? Sturridge when he got on, so he hangs the ball up for Klein. He, 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 yeah, yeah, he, he does really well to hold the ball there and, and cross it in for Klein, and Klein should score. But he, not not much falls his way, you know, for him to have a have a pop really. And it, it, it's one of them, isn't it? It's weird. I mean, I, I think I think we can go both way on the analysis. You can say, Klopp's Klopp seeing this eleven pretty much do well, you know, basically win the match without without winning a normal win it on points. If it was boxing, if you like. So to say, I don't know. It it it, it can be a behind sighty to just go. Oh, well, Sturridge should there it's, be. It's interesting. I just think it's interesting. It, it is interesting. You can go either way. Because there's I no think. right answer. No, there isn't. And I've... if you're the if you're the manager, there's no right answer. And it's a little bit of times like you know, it's it it just strikes me as an interesting thing where you can't. There's no guarantee, is there? I mean, Sturridge gets on, and like I say, there's no clear-cut chance for him. I thought I thought the other one was was like a bit weird. The Urige doesn't even get enough time to get involved and if there was one thing I said earlier about Southampton getting physical at times and, and Coutinho not particularly enjoying that I thought mate well I was slightly torn thinking about well if you if you got him on if you've got David on he's obviously more physical and it gives you a, a slightly different option
1: I, I'm intrigued by I'm going to stay on Gareth here, I know Rob's desperate to get in uh, but okay. I, I'm intrigued by this to a certain extent because I remember I think there's an argument with the way the weather can turn and all this sort of stuff that and I'm, i I want to know I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing which way he goes next few games with Sunderland, Bournemouth away as well, where Sturridge was excellent last year as well, but whether or not you can begin as you get sort of get into winter in this league to have an argument that maybe someone who plays centre forward shows feet shows chest. All game gets you up the pitch. I think we play some great free flow and stuff. But we there's an you, argument to be more direct. To make and certainly early on in games. Yeah. And someone who maybe you know who will just put their foot through it to a certain extent. That maybe a little bit. I'm I'm always reminded of how you know the way you, the way Ferguson used to use Berbatov, where he'd play all winter and you'd not see him in autumn or spring, but he'd play all winter. And I think the three seasons that he was at United, he just he just had these runs of games in the winter where it was you've got a good touch, lad. You're a, you're a relatively big lad. We get up to you, A lot of it's not great, but then as soon as we get there, then we start to well, play. I
2: think it's coming, isn't it? It's coming at some point that the team will change or slightly more of that. It will involve a Regi at times. It will involve Sturridge at times. And if there's if there's one thing I'm slightly not concerned, but I'm just wondering about more. It's, it's, exactly, it's, it's all like you wonder when, when does it when does he start to edge towards that so I mean so this weekend for instance Sunderland does Sturridge get in there then where's he getting his game time to have him ready for instance for when Mane goes away to the the African nations that sort of thing I almost think you've got to start building towards alternative options ready for that Rather than just going, I'm just going to keep picking these lads, and then when that happens, all of a sudden, someone's just parachuted in and they're expected to to pick up where he's left off. Because football doesn't tend to work like that. You know, it feels like you got to build on partnerships, get understandings. So where where do we get this understanding with Sturridge or with Origi if they're never ever getting on the pitch?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think he's sla- did Rogers do this? I don't know. He's slavishly sticking to a proven formula mm. here. Uh, Jurgen, I was, as I, said, I was stunned with the team selection. I thought he'd, I thought he'd shake it up. I thought he'd go. I, he's shown in the past an aptitude for sort of maybe cherishing sharpness. He'd want, he'd want sharpness. He'd make those changes, <clears throat> but he wanted that side together. He wanted that front three together, and he wanted as close to his normal f- three behind them as possible. Normally, if, we, if we're not, if we're not getting the breakthrough, I'm panicking, and I want the change. And, you know, judged by my own anxiety, I didn't want the change. I didn't want it to come because I couldn't see who you took off without actually messing it all up a bit. Um, When eventually Sturridge comes on for Chan, I just thought, okay, it felt to me like, fuck it, let's just gamble now. Let's put another lad who can put it in the back of the net. It doesn't really matter what it does to our shape. And I think the Coutinho thing at the end with the Regis is part of the same process, albeit a bit too late. Uh, And given this sort of growing, I I think, sort of, conviction that he has to, that he's got this, what's the word, al- this alchemy correct with Mario, Firmino and Coutinho and the three behind them. I don't think he's likely just going to go. I tell you what, because like, earlier in the season he maybe did. Well, he was forced too slightly with Sturridge coming in against Leicester. I just don't think he's likely to do what you're asking, and you're probably right. But I don't think it's going to happen. And and I think the lad, I think maybe the good side thing is we've got enough options that some lads are going to be able to come in and do it, and some lads are going to come in and not do it. And this is why we've got a Regi storage because one of them will just hit the ground running and but, one
1: won't. By the way, it's Manny who comes off for a Regi, not Coutinho. We keep Coutinho until the end. Uh, oh, right. We keep saying no, right Everyone said it I've said it as well hmm. Everyone said it I just thought I'd double check
3: Ian Yeah I, I think um, He's very much a believer In the system isn't he And And he's a believer In his players yeah, I think I that's an say, important he, thing he's, he's a permanent optimist We said this about the, the final last season Where he keeps that shape going Because he believes that The lads are on the pitch Are good enough To do the job for him And they will do the job And he clearly backs His players at all times I personally thought During the game I thought I want to see Storage earlier I thought maybe 60 minutes would have been the time for storage. With hindsight, 60 minutes and then 80 minutes for Origi would be the right time, and we probably would have forced to go at that point. But he is going to keep going with the system as long as he can. And as you said, he clearly wants to have that front three because that front three works, and he wants as near as dammit the three behind him that he normally has. And I think the time that we see the others, we see them in the League Cup initially. That, that's the time where we're obviously going to see storage and Regis start together against well, that's, Leeds. That's
2: almost like a completely different team, though, isn't yeah. it? Because what, what I'm talking about is sort of in, integrating slowly. How's it into the team that we got at the most? you know, your League Cup teams, it's a completely different... It's going to be a second team. You know, be, you'll yeah. see Trent Alexander back in and all that We'll see minule play, we'll yeah. see
3: Kev Stewart again, we'll see Lucas, possibly even see Grujic. Um, but I think that's where yeah, he's going to test them. I think that's where you play your, your game and play yourself into the first team that way. But it does... There is a call where he may need to integrate into the team as is because he does have to for when Mane goes. But maybe he's looking at it going, well, that's when I integrate them.
1: Or well, maybe he's looking at it there, Ian. And what, as much as we, we go, we, we say international break for Meno and Coutinho, you might actually have looked at it and thought, well, these lads, if I'm basically saying to them, very similar to what you did last game, boys, it's different to then sort of dropping storage in off. No one's got a yeah. day's training with them and it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And I think the other thing as well, and the thing on subs that I think, I think he's very into, and I, I think he can actually even point at the, the impact Southampton sub, subs have, which is zero. I think he's very into, there's a pace to the game. These lads mm-hmm. have set the pace, they've got the pace, they understand the way in which this game's working. I think he's quite intuitive like that. I think that's what he thinks, yes. that footballers feel a game because he does, and I think... I understand, therefore, that why sometimes I think he's thinking, well, they they're doing this already, and they're doing this to a pretty good level. Let's keep them doing it to a pretty good level, even cool. if yeah, I could I could uh, toss a coin, but it could be that whoever I bring on and Origi's not been a good sub this season at times. He's brilliant, he's been brilliant mm. at times when he's when he's started, but he was but very poor at the beginning of the season, as when he was coming off the bench. So yeah. I wonder if he's sort of thinking, well, I don't want to throw <coughs> the dice here because I'm actually quite happy with what I can see, and I know some of these lads can find it hard. I think Sturridge is an interesting. one and that because he's almost so good, and also he has played really well as a sub that maybe he could do it a little bit earlier. But I understand why. And again, I'm going to be honest, I think the conditions play a part. I think that again is in his head. The, these lads now, now understand the way this football's moving, they understand the way in which this pitch is working, the way the wind's working. All this sort of stuff is the stuff he's thinking about Probably as well, much well, more so than we think he is. So I think. Does
3: that then possibly call for him bringing bring them on earlier so they've got time to adapt rather than bring them on on 74?
1: But if he thinks it's working on 60 and he thinks yeah. there's a goal coming, which I think all of us around the table, if you'd have said to us, is a goal coming on 60 we'd have all in said, the next yeah. 15 we'd have all yeah. said
2: yes P- probably as well uh, you know he, he doesn't have to save legs so if you, if you know what I mean so as soon as he's decided to start them and and, and he's had the sports scientists and everyone else look at them because he he did sort of hint at that at the end of last week that he would be looking at them and seeing what kind of condition they were in so someone somewhere said they tick a box to find they can start I think he's probably also got in his mind well we've got seven days here you know the mm. next game is three p.m. Saturday, Sunderland. There's a full week of recovery there, so it's all right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he's Play obviously- on
0: adrenaline, lads. Don't worry about yeah. tomorrow. I think it was I thought it was interesting with Sturridge when he came on, and you could see the problem he's got with Daniel. And Sturridge made some comments in the week after with an interview on international duty, and it was sort of a criticism of the England system. But I thought he was extending his criticism of the his managers in plural at the moment. He was saying, look. I think he was commenting on his England goal where he scores. Ahead. He goes, look, at the end of the day, if you want me to score goals, I've play me. In the box. I've got to be between the sticks. Yeah. Now, when he comes on, I notice a lot of the times he's dropping deep, he's going wide against Southampton, he's dropping deep, going wide. He's do- What he's been told to do is replicate what Firmino, Mane and to do. You cannot be static. You can't say you're the focal point. You can't say you're wide. You can't say you're, dro- you're everything. That's it. You're part of that carousel we play at the front. And I think... He's prepared to do it. I think he actually does a good job at good job at it. But there is a I mean, nagging fear that if you miss out on putting in between the sticks, that we're missing out the goal. But, Possibly, there was also a case,
1: but I'd say he puts the best ball in that anyone puts it the Oh, he man. does?
0: Yeah, so it's not, a clear, it's not a clear thing. And he was also
3: dropping deep and dropping wide in his first seasons with us. Yeah. So it's not like it's a new invention he's being forced into. Wide, I
0: wouldn't say deep, though, in his first years. Why? Possibly but, not
3: as deep, but
0: with with Suarez,
3: he was still moving round. Yeah, basically. Um, I think could... it was the Everton game where we played a 4-1-4-1 and him and Suarez were taking turns to be left wing and up front. Yes, so the, that And that was happened. a very orthodox left wing that he was playing as well so oh. it's not beyond his the ability It's a, yeah.
2: a conundrum isn't there I think between him and Firmino at times in, in that you know Sturridge is the better finisher but
1: then I want to, come on to talk about Firmino but the one thing I want to say on Firmino is dead interesting because I, I was watching it with some commentary and one of the things that was said in the commentary was he might want to drop Firmino he might want to sub uh, make a change here where he gets Sturridge up front and puts Firmino in the number 10 role and Firmino does not want to be in the number 10 role. No. He'll play left, mm. he'll play right, but he does not want to come and sit deeper. He's not interested in that, and I think that, that a, I think that is a bit of a conundrum for, for Sturridge, for the manager, mm. for Firmino as well, to be fair. that n- I don't think that, that the idea that Firmino comes and drops in behind is a solution. I actually think that when we played against Leicester and Sturridge was more central and Firmino was off the left, but they were interchanging, mm. that's what they want to do. But the idea that one comes and sits, which I think sort of happened after Sturridge came on, I think it mean it makes us less fluent. But on Firmino, Gareth, you mentioned at the start that he set the tone, and that's the big thing I took from the first hour, I think up until his miss, where you begin to feel it's not his day, but also he feels it's not his day, and you yeah. get the impression he probably plays the last 25 minutes on his own back in his head, that he's missed the opportunity. But I thought that Firmino was... Basically, I thought he was he, he was he was the leader of everything that was good about the team for 65 minutes. There, I thought he was excellent.
2: Yeah, same here. Um, and I thought perhaps it made a difference that you know he he obviously went to Peru, but he didn't actually play, did he? And you know he, he looked fresh, but also he looked bang. He just looked bang up for it. Like I said before, he was you know out the traps. He blocked two or three things within the first four or five minutes, and you were like, oh hello, he's he, you know he's on his game here, but. You know, in front of goal, yeah, he probably got on his own back about missing that chance. He should score it. I thought the way he attempts to score it was slightly strange. You know, he, he, he sort of went with the outside of his foot, didn't he? And he just thought, well, maybe he could have... Dink the keeper there or I don't know bit of a strange, could have gone near post yeah a bit of a just a bit of a strange finish and also... I think the
1: keeper does something so mad because I think the keeper's positioning is crazy if you know what I mean because he's come so far out and completely forced himself he can just kick it past him mm-hmm. I'm honest, but I almost feel like the and sometimes it could be a tactic or it could just be a bad goalkeeper and that's worked if you know what I mean but for me it almost felt like if it had been a bit more conventional He's he's gone. If I just get that side of the keeper, but close to him, it'll go in. And he gets to that side of the keeper and close to him, and it goes past the post because the keeper's gone that
2: wide yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's a bit of that going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in general as well, he started to look like you know the, the picture of frustration if you like, because there was there was that chance. Obviously, there's the general way the games going, and Liverpool have dominated and haven't scored. There's the one where he goes through with Van Dyke and doesn't get any kind of decision. I mean, you know, some people, there's, there's arguments over whether it's a penalty or it's outside the box and all that. Either way, there was just no decision. You know, there, there wasn't a free kick, there wasn't a, a card, there was just nothing. And I remember, you know... In, chose, fa- in
3: fairness, Van Dyke was very good there. That was very subtle, that pull.
2: Yeah, he, 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 he executed it just us. outside. Yeah, he, yeah. But he pulls him. He pulls him, but it, it it's, does, a, it's a
3: brilliant pull if it, you want your central defense. It's sort of one of them where it, it's like it, starts in the box. Out.
2: No, it starts outside, but then it continues in. He lets go, and inside. Firmino, yeah. And Firmino goes down inside and appeals, mm. and he gets nothing. But the, you know, the, the, the referee is quite far back, so I wouldn't really get on his back about the decision. But I've no idea what the, the line the line should see. He yeah. should, see should see it. it, he should give something. One way, I don't think it's a good pull because I think the line think? should see it. I think the line I should see I it.
1: I thought it was really subtle. No, I think the line should see it because you see a shirt go. I think genuinely the line should see it because because the not least because you
0: should be looking along the line. Mm. But it makes me think that, actually, that was a game of really few set pieces, very few corners, but the ones there were, we had, and they were all really well delivered, I think, bar maybe one. Yeah, really well one that delivered. took a
2: deflection and went straight through to the keeper, and on that first, I just thought, he, he did it straight to the keeper and thought, what a bad time to do that. But yeah, you're right, there was, there was, there was one that... There was one that was a free kick and one that was a corner. I think it's back to back around both. Those and, are yeah. very close, both. Yeah, games. I mean they've got to go down as chances almost. They do, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, You yeah. just think, yeah, how don't we get on the end of one of them?
0: Yeah, I mean I would say sitting behind that goal, you know, that those moments where it's in and you have to then pick up. Oh, fuck, it's not in. Mm. You know, you don't see that every single game, but when you do, it's it's a real physical, visceral jolt to your body. That could, that Firmino chance was in, as far as I was concerned. The client header was in. And one of those two set pieces were in. I mean, that's how close we came. That's the measure of it, really. Yeah. It's it's incredible, really.
1: OK. Um, on the centre-half, then, as we've moved around quite nicely, Matip and Lovren, Ian, there's... Um, I thought they were both very, very impressive in different yeah. ways. It looked to me there was a clear tactic, at least from Jordan Henderson. I don't know if Jurgen Klopp's anything to do with it, but first 15 minutes, Jordan Henderson was pa- passing to Lovren. He was absolutely certain he was passing to Lovren at every opportunity. You know as I as didn't to go, even notice that. Almost or... as if to go... Let them do, let them boom me. Let them boo. It doesn't make any difference to you. Every time he got it, it looked like he was going. You have it back, and then lover and give it him back, and he going, no you have it back?" Let, let, let them do. I I thought there was a lot of gnar there from Henderson, and I think that in general this Liverpool side's got more gnarliness now. Yeah. And it looked as though that was that was very much help and Lovren. let the Southampton fans, fans, fans get
3: bored?
0: Did you, did you sorry did you Asian Lovren? Yeah. He's top of the I oh, was fantastic because they would <laughs> slaughtered Slaught the it. Brilliant yeah. song. <laughs> it's carlos He grooved because of that. Well,
3: that's the problem with listening watching on a silent stream, isn't it? I missed that. I'd, I'd, I honestly didn't notice how good Lovren was. I, I thought Matic stood out, really stood out, and possibly because of how good he was being. I didn't spot What I spotted was Lovren did nothing wrong, and after last season where they got on his head so much by half-time that we had to bring on Skirtle and lose the match because of it, the fact that he was able to get through that full 90, and looking at it before, and you're thinking, maybe if he, his head's not up for it, Lucas might play. The fact that he stars him, the fact that he actually kept on the full 90, and the fact that there was no problem at all, speaks volumes for the lad.
2: Yeah, same. Um, I mean, I think the thing with Lovren is you go back, and I, I actually think it's worth exploring. And I've been, I'm trying to encourage someone somewhere to write a piece on this. Oh, go on. Is, is listeners is, is that he was gone? He he was gone as a Liverpool sign, and we paid 20 million quid yeah, for completely. him. And every single Liverpool fan was like, "I've had enough of watching this fella. He, he's no good. You know, he, he's trying. He, he's trying too hard." And, and I think that was what most people said about him—that he was coming out. He was trying to win it high up. He was getting caught behind all the time. He made loads of dozy mistakes. And, and, and I think most people had written him off as a, as a Liverpool player they would, he's not going to come good he's no good he's out the door and he's one of the players on the club that's absolutely become a player now that you can rely on alright he's, he's still got the odd mistake in him he's made one this season and there's still there's still the cabal of weirdos on the internet you want to slaughter Liverpool players all the time and he's, he's top of the list for them it great seems. set of lads but um but for me, you're seeing a player now, I think you're spot on Ian to just say you're not seeing much wrong from him. Okay, he's not out. You know, you know like Matip is is just Rolls-Royce defender. Yeah. Looks absolutely brilliant. Matip's more he's, obvious, isn't, isn't he? Yeah, his antip- he's more visible. Well, it, well, the thing with Matip is that he's, he's, his anticipation's absolutely brilliant. Do you know what? And so he, he anticipates so much, but then he, he's able to bring it out, look all smooth and calm and boss and cool. Whereas Lovren <laughs> does the more, you know, he's sweeping up stuff, then lays it off. You know, he's more of he's more of he's the, more of a Pastor Henderson, he's more, fella. Of, yeah, he's more of the hen show to you. But I out. did
3: notice there was one thing that I did notice about Lovren in the game. He started doing the same thing that Matip does. Where all of a sudden he sidled round the man and got his foot in front, which it wasn't previously in his game as far as I saw. But Matip's been doing so much of that this season that's clearly rubbing off on Lovren because he, he's he is anticipating more than he used to.
0: He was, yeah, he was really good, lover. And it. it's hard to underestimate what a what a hostile cauldron that was for him. It was really, really nasty. It was incessant. It wasn't just the booing when he touched the ball. It was, it was calling him a cunt. In, you know, and the, but the stuff, and there was. I'm going to say it again the stuff about his wife, I and mean, that's really mm. down and low. And I know football clubs, uh, crowds do really down. Low He's and He'll remember. Human, last time. It, and he you're absolutely right about game. Henderson did, but he, he just seemed to focus him. He just, I have to say, I thought whilst I'll just play one, one sort of. It's not a negative note, but however well I thought Lovren and Matt it played, they weren't tested. There will be more, there will be more testing days there. Well,
1: on that, I think they weren't, but I think that's partially because of how good all of the, the Liverpool were in terms of dominance. Yeah, But there's also something else here, which is more than arguably anywhere on the pitch, even, for instance, when you've got two forwards, uh, I mean, you know, it was, uh, Suarez and Sturridge made that clear to us that more than anywhere else, I think very much you're talking about partnerships and all of a sudden now you feel as though we've got a partnership now to be fair I felt at times last season with Lovren and Sacco we were beginning to get a partnership mm-hmm. you could see the way in which they were interacting with each other post-match but that to me now feels like this is it's a proper centre-half partnership that there's that there's, they're, both, they're both first choice they're both comfortable in their position they both know that yes Lucas is good but he's not going to come in ahead of us unless one of us has got a reason not to play there's an assurance about them Gareth and they, they also look like they're looking after each other I think that that's that's one of the major things you need if you're playing centre back to feel that the fella next year is looking after you.
2: Absolutely, and and you get used to each other's games. It goes without saying, and, you know, if you're trapping and changing all the time in a position so key as that, then you're like, well, what's this fella doing? Does he does, does he normally go here, or, or do I go? You know, will he? What's his pace like? Am I faster than him? You know, you got to work out. Do I need anything. to cover across in this foot race, yeah. or is he going to be all right? Oh, he's going to be all right on, yeah. on, on on set pieces. What area is he covering? What area am I covering? All these things only ever come through time, through playing together, through knowing what each other does. And it must be great, to be fair, to be... You know, one of the reasons Matip's getting loads of praise is because he deserves it. And for Lovren, it must be fantastic to be playing alongside him because he's looking at him going... And and that in in turn then settles your game because you're like, well, this fella's a rock. Um, I still don't know about the keeper yet, but he looks like he's getting better. So that's not in my head anymore. I was
3: looking
1: forward to doing the whole show without mentioning the keeper. Not about... mention them, Saz. <laughs> uh, for you more than anyone else, mate.
2: For you more than anyone else. Go and keep going. No, but you know what I mean? It, it, it's right, though, isn't it? Again, it's, it's back to human nature. It's back to how brains work. You know, if you're not quite sure about another one of your teammates, then it's going to influence decisions you make at times. When you are sure about them, then you see the benefits of that. Okay, um, I think that's pretty much covered. everything We want to cover uh, Southampton versus
1: Liverpool. Something else to point out, and we, you know, at the, towards the end of the show, we've done it a little bit different. So let me know what you think. I haven't done the whole back to front thing; decided to do it this way instead. So you know, feel free to feedback uh, either at the Anfield Rap or at Knox underscore Harrington in terms of how we've done it a little bit different. And one of the things I want to get back to, sort of, adding on this show is sort of doing something a little issue orientated, only briefly, but towards the end of matches and. So, at the end of the discussion, sorry, certainly if we've got the time, I think we're going to end up doing about 75 minutes here. But these gentlemen, they're very relaxed. Um, And Gareth, the the rugby league match at Anfield, and it seems like everyone had a lovely time. And, you know, broadly speaking, if the pitch can handle it, I've got no problem with all this sort of stuff. There's just this absolutely crazy double standard that beer can be had in seats at rugby league matches at Anfield and and can't be had at football matches. And,. By all means, have conversations about whether or not it should be in bottles or that sort of stuff, but why on earth you can't have a plastic pint glass with ale in, which I, by the way, probably wouldn't want. So this isn't, you know, I think I quite like the period of time without a drink at a football match, but the idea... Yeah, you know, the respite. The long day, the rest, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, that, just that recovery, that recovery in that 105 minutes in the middle there. But, you know, I'm not I'm not one who rushes down at half-time at, um, at home, I'm away from home sometimes, but I don't rush down at half-time at home to go and get a pint in. I'm as as likely to buy a bottle of water as buy anything, but it's just a ridiculous double standard, uh, and that that has just completely boggled my head.
2: Yeah, it's a nonsense, and and you know I spotted a picture over the weekend of someone who was at the rugby on the cop, um, and he posted a picture saying, you know, it's just it's nice to just be able to sit here at field enjoy some sport in front of my eyes, and and be able to sip from a beer, and I think everyone should have that option. And the fact that Liverpool fans, football fans in general, are treated football differently. Football fans in general, yeah. You know, I mean. It, you know, to 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 sort of show what a nonsense that is. That same fellow who ever took that picture, he could be sitting in that exact same seat this Saturday, three o'clock, when Liverpool play Sunderland. And if he had that bevy in his hand, watching the football in front of him, he could be arrested. Now it's an absolute nonsense. There's already laws in place in society for dealing with people who are drunk, who are disorderly, who assault people, who throw things, all those things. You don't need this additional thing around football. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I can remember um, at Old Trafford one time when I went and, like... I was, having a, I was having a bevy before the match, but I wasn't quite sure where we were at in terms of time and what have you. And I just walked up a few steps to just look, you know, like at the teams out on the pitch, that sort of thing. Next when they've got a big arm on me, like, and it's, you know, you can't have a drink when you're in sight of the pitch. And it's like, this is nonsense. And Old Trafford's obviously another place that holds alternative events, concerts, rugby games, etc. When And you wouldn't get that grip on your arm in in that situation. But what's surprising for me as well is I, I I put this picture on both Twitter and on our Facebook and said, you know, this is a nonsense. Here's a fella at Anfield enjoying a pint watching the rugby at Anfield. What a nonsense that you can't do that at the football. I got loads of responses back, some of them from Liverpool fans, saying, no, no, that's right. And it's like, well, why is it right? Why, why do you think badly of, of your fellow football fan? And why are you happy to generalise about thousands and thousands of people about how they behave around football matches? I, I'm i quite surprised by that reaction, to be honest. And I'm going to try and write something about it later tonight.
0: I think the pro, I think it all comes... It's, you know, it's part and parcel of the same issue in a way, or a linked issue to the safe standing one. It's part, football... Uh, the society was scarred by how football behaved in, in the 80s, and when it changed things by having all-seater stadiums and banning booze at your seat. Although I think it had done that considerably early, relatively early in the 80s, I think it thought it had found, and then hooliganism went. It just that issue had gone. I think it found some magic formula wider football, and it's just terrified of messing with that football. That formula. I don't think it recognises that this is not the same group of people. This is they're not the same society that it was then they can start again they can think about it for, for, with with fresh perspectives and fresh eyes and you're absolutely 100% right it, it's nuts and it's insulting i wouldn't mind we we have incredible security uh, facilities these they have so much uh, CCTV around football grounds, you'd only have to take one drunken, disorderly incident from any individual and say, Well, you're banned from the game and we can pick you well, up. So people it, aren't going to miss It doesn't
2: mean that you can drink any more excessively in particular because you can drink before the game, you can drink at half time. So, how many pints are you going to be able to get in while the football's taking place? That's going to mean you're all of a sudden a lot more drunk I think drunk it's
1: two pints. Anyway. The most you could actually manage to conceivably do while still watch at least 30 minutes of the football game is a pint in each half.
3: That's what I think. Unless,
1: so, unless it's the idea that people are carrying up like three for themselves to go right the way through and that's a separate conversation but, yeah, but so
2: then, then yeah. just have a sensible limit around that and just say you know one pint per person or whatever i mean you know and then i've seen people talking about oh well you know if you if people allow bottles well that's that's almost a different conversation and but even then you know the fact that some alcohol could become a missile well, a cup of tea can be a missile, and it's red hot. So, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I don't see a good argument against it. I mean, I was going backwards and forwards with someone last night, and he was saying, well, oh, well, what about the tribalism that exists within football? And I was like, well, tribalism exists in football all around the world, yet you can have a drink there in, in your seat. So, in Germany... Dortmund and Schalke absolutely hate each other. They burn things down. They burn things down. We spoke to some of the fans when we were out there. Drinking the ground. (laughs) The the, the tribal about it. Don't get them wrong. but you can go and have a drink in the
0: ground. Well, also the fact is, people cram their boozing in before they get in the ground because they they crowd it in in half time. (laughs) People lads going to the bar. The anxiety of going to the bar half time and thinking. I only want one drink, but fuck me, I'll never yeah. see a drink. I want, you know, maybe I'll just buy, buy the two. It's it's silly. It creates the panic. Amount of, ar- the amount of small wines you buy, Rob. Ah, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> it creates, like goes, doesn't it? It creates panic around alcohol. It's whereas it could be a bit more. It, it just needs to be relaxed. And there's no way you increase drunkenness by allowing it to happen at the seat. But it, it's the fact that it's the fact as well that football singled out. Sorry, Ian, I'll let you get away.
2: Then I might not even have But a I'm massively <laughs> on my horse about <laughs> this, as you can probably tell. Football is singled but, out. Was football singled out. But, is singled out? So like, you know, so lads on a lads who are going on a stag to for a weekend can get in a minibus or on a train or on a bus and they can have a bevy while they're going wherever they're going. But if you're travelling to football, you can be arrested for the very same yeah. thing. And that, that that's another aspect of the same act. And it's absolute nonsense.
3: Any issues with drinking are societal issues rather than football issues. Yeah. You can get violence anywhere at all. There is, and this doesn't get mentioned very often on the Anfield Rap, there was a lad from Strictly Come Dancing. One of the dancers went out on Sunday, Saturday night. Keep talking, Af- he. <laughs> after they had, um you, you might not have seen this in the papers this morning, after they ad, Strictly in Blackpool on Saturday night, because they have it in Blackpool once a year because it's the home of ballroom dancing. One of the dancers went out, he had two teeth put through because somebody attacked him. Now that's, that's alcohol-based. That's clearly alcohol-based. In Blackpool City Centre? In Blackpool City Centre. Because guys. Blackpool is the home <laughs> of... Stag so you're going to have people out there who are utterly twatted. Now, if you're the match... Ban marriage. Ban marriage. Ban marriage, ban ballroom dancing, both of them. are both <laughs> clearly well, dangerous. But if you're at the match and you've been drinking beforehand, if you start drinking as soon as the pub's open, you've got to the match with five minutes to spare, you've lopped another bottle down your neck before you kick off, you sit there for 45 minutes have a couple of half-times, sit there another 45 minutes, you're more likely for the alcohol to go to you quickly because you crammed it down very quickly rather than if you measure your drink. And one of the best things, we were talking the other day about the um, the Belfast trip that you went on, mm. where all the clubs close at the same time, yeah. everybody comes out, and you have kickoffs like we used to have. Whereas if you extend your licensing hours, people drink in a more reasoned, measured manner, they come out at staggered times, they don't kick off. If you, extend, if you extend drinking to being able to drink inside the pitch, it's not going to be a problem. It's not a problem. Alcohol is not a problem at football grounds. There's, I think there's a great irony to be made about the fact that we had the end of hooliganism towards the end of the 80s. Basically, when everybody who was stood on the terrace was doing it, and that was what killed hooliganism <laughs> more than anything else. Hooliganism ended because everybody was so loved up on ecstasy. And it's, it's a very definite, why would you... Why are they bothered about alcohol on the pitch? Alcohol in the ground. Within of the pitch. Within sides of the pitch, it doesn't affect anyone because players he, drinking
0: through the game. Players would be drinking through the see. game would
3: be bad although Possibly entertaining.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, John.
3: But it just
2: it just sort of feeds a stereotype, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're that, right. You know that that football fans remain a problem.
0: It's in the, the last prejudice. Promise. that the, you It's know, a middle that, class yeah. game, though. Well, but regard, yeah, it is nonsense. It, it, it is a prejudice of sorts. Because this is oh, this is my area of special interest, my hobby. Do it to the fucking train spotters. You know, give them a hard time. Why us?
2: <laughs> but, you know, another one that people have been coming back with is, oh, well, you, if you go to the rugby, it's a completely different atmosphere. There's been, there's been violence around rugby. There's,
3: yeah, be, there's, there's in, been a fair chance to fairness, go to rugby. Yesterday's rugby, you walked to walk 30 yards to see the lad sitting next to you, didn't you? Because there was no bugger there. <laughs>
2: it's a it's load of crap. Okay, a
1: huge thank you. Uh, That's Southampton, Liverpool, and drinking at the ground sorted out. A huge thank you to Gareth Roberts, to Rob Guttman, and to Ian Salmon. Uh, Very much hope you've enjoyed this Anfield Rap. Listen, drop points never, ever, ever feel like a good thing, certainly when you're in in sight of a title race and all that sort of stuff. But Liverpool's games open up now. They move from here, in this bank of five before the Merseyside derby, the toughest was always going to be Southampton away. And Liverpool basically played them off the park. As Gareth Roberts said, if it had been a boxing match, Liverpool would have won on points, but there'll be more points on the board After Liverpool face Sunderland next week. Back to threes, please, lads.
0: Sports Social Podcast
1: Network.